Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. All right, Todd. Um, topic for today. I saw a great tweet recently. Okay. And the tweet I didn't was. I you tweeted. I don't do much tweeting, but I, when you I, do. I sometimes like reading other people's tweets. <laughs> okay. Guy no, um, quoted, a, or he, he put out this quote and he said he didn't know where it comes from, but the quote was, um, let me read it here. The pain is guaranteed. The suffering is optional. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Um, this bring up this idea of suffering um, you know, what is suffering? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in our context as psychologists and therapists, we deal a lot with what you would probably call emotional suffering. Right. Um, among other things, um, our clients, emotional suffering. Um, but then we also deal with pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both of us have a, a sense that maybe those are, maybe those are different things. Maybe there's a distinction there. Um, or that maybe just this idea needs to be kind of fleshed out a little bit more. So, um, what do you think about the idea of what is suffering? I, I actually like that definition. I, I think the I think it comes out of kind of an Eastern kind of Buddhist philosophy that um, uh, pain is kind of inevitable in life, but that suffering is optional. It's, it's, it's a different thing. Um, I kind of only think it's different in a philosophical sort of way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's different philosophically, and I think you can definitely, I mean, if, as we expand on this idea about the difference between pain and suffering, I think that the difference is is, is clear, um, but both suck. Both are really <laughs> aversive. Right. Um, both feel kind of similar, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't, I don't know, other than the philosophical kind of utility of that definition, why you'd really differentiate mm-hmm. pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. But... For for a, a useful way in your life, I think it, it can be good to kind of know the difference between those two things, mm-hmm. or, or or at least conceptually what the difference between those two ideas would be. Yeah, yeah. So in in your work as a therapist, how does where does suffering come up? <clears throat> suffering to me, in a very simplistic kind of way, is your attempt to resist reality. Um, hmm. Yeah, the reality of thought, emotion, circumstance, context, whatever it is humans tend to really not to really resist things they don't like. Um, and sometimes the resisting causes a lot more problems than accepting. And so in our attempts to resist reality and the reality of life is often painful. Um, we create more problems than Mm. we solve. What's an example of that? Like what's a classic example of someone suffering as a result of resisting reality? I mean, one, one, one of the, one classic kind of way I think people suffer is through avoidance. They don't um, directly handle problems or situations. They'd prefer to avoid them, and avoidance often causes a lot of problems. For example, uh, I had a client years and years ago who really struggled to meet women, um, and when he entered college, he realized that if he had a couple beers, he could approach women a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It was easier for him. Um. So, so drinking became kind of a regular thing when they went out so that he would be a little bit, his, you know, inhibitions would be lowered and he'd be able to approach women. And that worked. It worked beautifully. Then he found out that once you ask about you, you got to follow up and go on the date. <laughs> 
So a couple beers came in handy then too, mm. you know, before the date to kind of get a little, and then on the date you got to sustain that. So you have a couple of drinks there. And, and so this pattern just became part of his life. And so his, his strategy to avoid being anxious was to drink so that he could, he mm. could manage that anxiety mm-hmm. that way. So I'm going to avoid anxiety by drinking. Um, the problem with that though, is that alcoholism is a, crazy thing and it starts really fast sometimes and before he knew it he was drinking all the time pretty frequently and was addicted um and had a had a, another problem on his hand that was the result of avoiding an emotion mm. the emotion of anxiety or feeling awkward or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it but um yeah that 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 attempt to kind of avoid pain caused a lot of suffering for him. Hmm. The difference is pain is inevitable. It, it's a normal, natural thing to feel awkward and feel nervous when you put yourself out there. To try to avoid that really normal um, experience b- with the use of alcohol causes hmm. a lot of pain that you didn't want to have, didn't need to have. You, you brought about yourself almost there. So you're saying suffering is unnecessary pain? Very, very. Hmm. And that that's self-inflicted. Oftentimes, it's very self-inflicted. Hmm. Can it can it be? Can it be others inflicted? I don't know. Okay. Because I, I okay, so I'm I'm running through all, all sorts of examples in my head. Like, if I get a headache, I pop a Tylenol and right avoid the pain, and I, I don't suffer as a result of that. Well, and, and, but the, but the the medication you take or the water you drink or the sun you get may mm-hmm. actually directly impact your headache, the pain, right? The, mm-hmm. the problem. Sure. Um, if you. But if but alcohol directly impacts your anxiety. Well, I mean that's why that's why your client was doing it, right? Because it yeah, instantly yeah, made yeah. him feel better. It doesn't get rid of the anxiety though; just masks it, right? I don't know. And cover it up. I don't know. What are you getting at here, though? I like I like what you're saying. I'm just not sure where you're going. Well, how do you know when... Because avo- like, it seems like sometimes avoiding or pushing back against reality can be a good thing. Right? Like if it starts raining and I'm getting cold, I put on a rain jacket. So I'm that's res- not I'm, pushing back. That's accepting and saying, it is raining. I'm going to need a coat to stay warm and dry. It's not pushing back. That's just... Well, isn't that what you're doing when you're drinking? You're pushing back the anxiety? Uh, well, you're trying to eliminate it. Right? You're trying to say, I don't like this. I don't want to feel this at all. Which is what you're saying when it's raining. You're saying, I don't like this. I don't want to feel it. So I'm going to put this raincoat on. I don't want to be wet. I don't want to be wet. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is different. But why? That's the... That's. I mean, I, I agree with you that I, I think... I think trying to... I think to a large degree trying to avoid painful feelings rather than accepting them tends to lead to problems, mm-hmm. worse problems in the long run. Right. Um, and that, that that general effect is suffering is a good label for that, I think. It's a label. It's a con- Yeah, it's a label. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we're using. And I realize this is a philosophical discussion here, but yeah, it's a useful. Well, no, but I think it, I think it's pragmatic too. Good. Like I, I think it's, it's intuitive to when we're in pain to do something to avoid feeling that pain anymore. I think that's yeah. very, very natural. Yeah, we're, we're good at that. We don't like to feel lousy. And if you can avoid feeling pain without any consequences, why wouldn't you? Um, well, well, this may be true of, of certain types of pain, but not, not emotional 
not emotional. I'm, I'm, well, I guess it's an interesting thing to call emotions. I don't pain. know if, if if my if if someone says something sarcastic to me, right? Let's say a let's say a coworker mm-hmm. <laughs> walks down the aisle and says something about my shirt, right? Kind okay. of sarcastically. Yeah. I and I think like that son of a you know, and I can feel myself starting to kind of ruminate about that. And then yeah. I decide, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm just gonna let it go. Right. Not functional. I'm, I'm gonna avoid it. Start a fist fight. I'm not gonna think about that anymore. Right. Right. Not gonna be useful. That type of thing tends to lead to pretty good outcomes to me. I don't end up suffering a lot when I avoid. Oh, I'm not that saying the avoidance of, of anything. I'm saying the avoidance of uh, normal and natural. I think kind of phenomena, emotional phenomena. Right? But isn't when someone says something sarcastic to you, it's it's natural to get angry, right? Yeah. And I basically I just avoided that anger. I said, eh, I don't want to feel that. I'm gonna go do something else. I want to feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I literally think to myself, it's not. I'm just going to get all worked up. I'm going to get more and more angry. I'm going to get resentful. I'm gonna, like, I know where this goes. I don't want to get into that. Well, then aren't you just avoiding your the workup, not the emotion itself? You're still frustrated. You're just not going to dwell on it. You're not going to fester about it or do anything about it. You've chosen. <laughs> Are you frustrated if you don't feel frustrated? I mean, an emotion an emotion by definition is something you feel. If you're not feeling it. It's not there. But you, when, you, when you decide not to respond, you just don't feel upset over it at all. That makes the emotion go away. <laughs> yeah, I've never experienced that. You've it's, never experienced that? No, I've definitely decided not to, you know, focus on something or not to let something bother me or, you know, to increasingly bother me. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'd ever look back on that thing and say, yeah, it didn't even matter. I'd say, yeah, it was frustrating, but then I decided, you know, I don't know. Right, but it didn't stay frustrating because I avoided it. Well, it didn't increase in frustration, and you were able to kind of just say, I'm going to deal with it. But I didn't feel the frustration anymore after that. As soon as I turned and kept walking down the hall, I didn't feel frustration anymore. After you chose a functional response to (laughs) that thing. Yeah, but my functional response was avoidance. I avoided thinking about that emotion and, and staying in that emotion. Hmm. You had it though. You're shaking it. Well, yeah, of course I had it. Yeah, the experience happened. Mm-hmm. And then you decided how you wanted to handle it, right? By avoiding it. Well, by not entertaining it anymore. I don't know if that's avoidance. Tomato, right? tomato. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just literally so stopped you, thinking about it. How would you distinguish this pain, or how would you define pain, pain, and suffering then? Um, or avoidance, I, I guess. How would how would you? I mean, when is it useful to avoid? When is it not? So as psychologists, we, we talk about avoidance in a very particular way. When mm-hmm. we say avoidance, anytime on this podcast you hear us talking about avoidance, what we mean is avoiding something and as a result of that avoidance, it gets worse in the long run mm-hmm. is usually what we mean. The problem gets worse. Yeah. Um, but and, and what that means is sometimes avoidance isn't helpful. It feels helpful. Like that seems like the right thing to do, but right. it, it makes it worse in the long run. When you... When you know you have to, you know, write your essay for school and you decide to play video games um, instead, your procrastination is a form of unhelpful avoidance. Right. Problems right? get worse. Yeah, because it lingers and you're going to end up feeling even worse than if you had just right. dealt with it in the moment, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. some problems just go away on their own. And so avoidance is a perfectly... So avoidance is a good strategy if the problem is solved through it or it goes away on its own bad strategy if it exacerbates the problem mm-hmm. or maintains it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think we don't think very carefully about is avoidance really a good idea in mm-hmm. a particular context? Right. Because sometimes it works, 
right? When someone just makes an offhanded snide comment and I get a little irritated. Sure. Or maybe even someone makes some comment that isn't intended to be mean, but I interpret it as that. Yeah. Me just dropping it and avoiding thinking about that is usually is often a good idea. I'd agree with that. And, and some like the problem of like rumination and worry is kind of addressed by avoiding it. Avoiding Disengage. avoiding the rumination and right. worry. Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding right. doing those things. Yes, exactly. So right. I, I don't know that avoidance itself is a bad thing. It's avoiding the things that that uh make well or or, or just when avoidance causes the problem to get worse or be maintained. Mhm. So why the question is why is why is avoidance sometimes bad? Like why does it sometimes lead to worse outcomes? So in the case of procrastination, it's because the problem doesn't go just go away on its own. Yeah, you're not addressing it. So I think that's a really key distinction is is this the kind of problem that will go away on its own or is it the kind of problem that's going to either linger or just keep coming back? Right. Right, so like your client, the the one with the drinking problem, right? And his anxiety when you say his anxiety stuck around, it, it temporarily went away, but as soon as he found himself in another right. situation like that, it would come back up again. It was a great four-hour solution. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. So avoidance was not great in that context because that's not the kind of situation that just dissipates and goes right, away right. entirely. It gets worse and is maintained through that. Yeah. Ah, okay. But so there's another element to this. You're saying that not only does it not go away, but by avoiding it, it even gets worse. Yeah, we've introduced another problem into this scenario. Um, well, what are you saying? His anxiety gets worse or his life generally gets worse because of the drinking? I would say his, his sensitivity to anxiety, anxiety increased and we had al- alcoholism on top of being kind of socially yeah. awkward. Yeah. So let's t- tell me about that sensitivity to anxiety. What do you mean by that? Well, the more you avoid, the less, um, tolerant of whatever you're avoiding you become basically. And so through repeated avoidance, um, yeah, your tolerance for that thing or your ability to kind of adjust to that thing that you're avoiding mm. decreases. Goes down. Yeah. I've had tons of, um, not tons, I've had more than a few heroin users um, who would report later that, man, I used, you know, I would I would rationalize the dumbest little things. I'd stub my toe and be like, well, they're, you know, I'm, I've got to, I'm in pain, I've got to use, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you know, minor things, headache, oh, got to use, you know, I mean, it, and, and they will talk about this phenomenon that mm. my pain threshold, yeah. physical or emotional pain threshold became so low that I was, you know, I felt like I needed to use mm. constantly. Yeah. So th- this gets really interesting in the context of pain versus suffering, mm. I think, because what it's, it introduces this third variable, which is um, tolerance for pain, mm-hmm. physical pain, but could also be emotional pain, mm-hmm. you know, like anxiety, nervousness, embarrassment, um, sadness, what grief, whatever, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this idea that, um, yes, sometimes you can avoid a pain, even an emotional pain, and it may just go away on its own mm-hmm. and not come back to bite you at all, in which mm-hmm. case go for it. Mm-hmm. But there are certain types, um, certain situations where that pain is just going to keep coming back and it may even by avoiding it all the time, you're not practicing building up that muscle, that emotional tolerance for that pain right. that you could be doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's opportunity cost. Every time you avoid it, it's like avoiding the gym, right? You're, you're losing out on the chance to build muscle right. to get stronger, right? right? And Which means the next time you're confronted with that thing, you're going to be that much weaker. And, and you're that gonna, much more likely to avoid. To too. avoid. Yeah. Maybe by a... a 
a tactic that has its own negative side effects mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. drinking or you know other things like that yeah right so um suffering maybe you you might define suffering as it's it's a la- it's a lack of tolerance for unavoidable pain like when you don't have the ability to tolerate unavoidable pain mm. right you end up experiencing the second level kind of of pain yeah yeah right and that that often comes from a habit of just impulsively avoiding any kind of pain without yeah. really stopping to consider is this something that are there consequences to me Doing not this thing, yeah, yeah avoiding this thing that's a good point i think the consequences of avoidance are paramount um for, for are really important to consider i guess in your response um i don't know you know it's interesting because life presents just so much pain there's just loss and grief and you know heartache and i mean mm-hmm. life is just full of a pain there's even philosophy to say life is pain um and so being able to manage pain um is a really good skill yeah. that everybody should learn i i think it also matters a, a, a super important distinction that we were not i don't think we're aware enough of is even though pain is often associated with and sits right on top of danger. So yeah. oftentimes when something's really dangerous, if you get shot in the arm, you're going to feel a lot of pain. If you touch a hot stove, you're going to feel a lot of pain, uh-huh. right? The, the key distinction is the pain itself isn't the problem. Pain is just your certain neurons like firing. Signaling. Yeah. The problem is like your skin is burning, right? Right. Or your an artery has been punctured, Yeah. right? But because those two things are so um, overlapped and because pain feels so bad, mm-hmm. right, because it's visceral, right, it, it's easy to assume that pain itself is bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But really, and, and this is biologically true, pain is just the messenger. Mm-hmm. Pain is telling you there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. But the pain itself isn't the problem. At all. Right? In fact, it's a sign that something's going right. Um, yeah, sometimes the signals happen here. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm agnostic on pain. I, I mean, I think sometimes pain can be meaningful, but I think sometimes it can be just a glitch. Sure. Sure. Right? You can get a random headache whatever, and it yeah, doesn't mean right. anything's wrong. You right. just get a headache and you feel bad. Right. right. Um, but to conflating pain with problem mm-hmm. is, is a, an understandable confusion, but a really dangerous one. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. when you, when you, um, assume that because something's painful, something must be wrong. Like something is morally wrong. Something is physically wrong or broken, right? Or damaged. Mm-hmm. That is a really unsafe assumption, even though it's very natural. Mm. So when you, when, when a, I don't know, a loved one passes away and you feel grief, right? And you want to drown your sorrows, Right what's going on is when when you avoid or try and get rid of the grief, you're not addressing the, the thing itself. You're addressing how you feel. Right. Not the grief. Right. You're not grieving. And specifically by running away and, and really trying to get rid of the pain as the expression goes, don't shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. What you're actually doing is you're, you're treat, you're confusing your brain. You're t- because you're like trying to get rid of or escape from this, the messenger, you're telling your brain the messenger is bad. The messenger is the problem. 
you're training your brain to think that your emotions are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And no matter how painful any emotion is, an emotion itself is not dangerous. Mm-hmm. No amount of anger or sadness or anxiety or guilt can hurt you. Right. Right. They feel really bad. They're not fun. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not dangerous. Yeah. So I think what happens in suffering is suffering is largely the result of we've through avoidance, we've trained our brains to think that the way we feel that pain itself is bad or a problem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's a huge mistake. Oh, I think you're right. Well, I mean, if you just, I mean, we're kind of switching. I am switching from emotional pain to physical pain now. When I work with chronic pain patients, this is the bigger issue. I can't mm. really treat the pain all that much, but I can treat the suffering. I can help you yeah. with the suffering. And, and and you'll see a lot of chronic pain, and there's no judgment here at all, um, having having experienced chronic forms of pain over my life. Um, I, I know how devastating that can be. Um, but there is this weird thing. I mean, think about it. When you're in a lot of pain, you just want it to stop. Mm-hmm. And part of your brain is telling you, this is never going to end. When is this going to end? This has got to get less. Like, I can't do this. I can't tolerate this. Yeah. And all of those things, I think, are going to bring about suffering. Right. Yeah. Right. That is, or and, and that even might be a form of suffering. And, and I agree with you. Like, this is, there's no judgment here. Like, you can imagine a situation oh. where your nervous system is, is completely out of whack and it is sending pain signals constantly, horrific pain signals, yeah. even though nothing's wrong with your body. Right? right. Let's imagine you're in that situation. Awful. Right. I mean, just unimaginable. I don't know. I, I, horrible. It would be horrible, right? The, the point is, even though your pain, it essentially is a problem. There's a problem, mm-hmm. right? Your nervous system has gone haywire. You thinking about that as a problem is only going to make it worse. Right. Right? Because then you're treating, you're telling your brain, not only is this painful, but I'm afraid of it too. Mm-hmm. Right? So well, you're going to yeah. have a double layer of negative emotion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about when you're in pain and you're telling yourself, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Now you're adding helplessness oh on God. top of pain. Yeah. And which now, is itself and now painful. every ticking second is is the most excruciating second of your life because you've just told yourself, I can't take this. Right. Yeah. It's a brutal thing. The self-talk yeah. and the, 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 <laughs> the way pain kind of manifests and the thoughts we have about it. Are, are really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. The interplay between how you think about pain and how it's actually experienced is, I mean, there, there's, I mean, the way you think about pain definitely impacts your experience of pain. Oh, yeah, and there's yeah. plenty of support and research for oh, that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, simple reframes in chronic pain literature are pretty, pretty abundant. So helping clients kind of understand how to accept mm-hmm live with act act and behave with pain and how to not think about it um in in maybe the the way that they've been thinking about pain and that's actually you know the whole kind of mindfulness fad of the last 20 years Mm -hmm. um was largely kicked off by john kabat-zinn who was he worked in a medical center and he was working with chronic pain patients and he, he taught them these mindfulness exercises which basically involved instead of talking to yourself about your pain and how awful it is, or, or instead of trying to distract yourself from your pain, right? literally try and feel it without talking about it, mm-hmm. which is totally counterintuitive. Yeah, if you have pain, feel it. just yeah. feeling it is the last thing you want to do. But he got amazing results with this. Mm-hmm. And the reason is 
presumably it chops off that second layer of psychic pain or suffering, right? which is I can't handle this. This is bad. It's not only does it feel bad, but it's bad. Something's wrong that I'm feeling bad, which is this whole second layer of the second layer. You're kind of inadvertently bringing about yourself. Yes. And you're not, not aware of it because you're doing the one thing that just feels normal, which is intuitive. I got to get away from this thing. Right. Right. So to me, that's, that really exemplifies suffering when, when treating pain as a problem leads to a bigger problem. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect example or perfect definition of, Pain and suffering. Yeah, I like I like what your this was a client who brought this to you. This definition. <laughs> oh, this that definition yeah. or the distinction between the distinction between pain and suffering. Yeah, didn't he tell you? Didn't oh he, no, no, it was a tweet. I saw it on it was Twitter. A tweet. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, whoever tweeted that, that was a good tweet. Thank God for social media. <laughs> Thank That's goodness. all I have to say. Thank Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.